Open the door, sit down. Welcome to the United Pubcast. You're with Larry and as always with me, my co-host, Tom Simpson. How are you, mate? International break. It's just about over. Well, I'm hearing rumours that it's over. Um, it seems like the longest international break, which every international break does seem, but um, this one has dragged out for many reasons, I think. Yeah, it's been the longest six months of my life. But nonetheless, Tom, let's rip straight into it. We have a lot to get through. And let's... Okay, look, we all know international break is an absolute farce. So let's just start with the inconvenience part of it. Um, Alex Tellez, does he have COVID? Does he not have COVID? Because if you're following the reports, I think he's had about 5,000 tests in the last two days. And that's come back positive, negative, positive, negative. Well, the weird thing is, what we can sit here as fans and read reports and we believe that one or we don't believe that one. Man United don't even know what's happening. They had to put out a statement saying, we're just going to monitor the situation when he gets back. And that is the, I wouldn't say the scary thing, but it's just baffling because that first report that came out that's saying he had it, when it was a little bit lost in translation, it looks like the situation was that because he previously had it, he couldn't travel to Uruguay, where that was quite weird because obviously Brazil knew they were going to be playing there. Surely they would have had that replacement player in from the beginning. So it was a little bit weird, but then it came out a few days later that a follow-up test that he actually tested positive and now he's negative. So, look, a lot will depend on what Solskjaer comes out with in his press conference on Friday. I think he'll play. Um, If I don't have this wrong, he actually ended up coming off the bench against Uruguay. So... Managed to get in. Well, I, I think forget the COVID thing. I think when we, we'll get into the West Brom preview, but he's travelling back from South America. So it might be, in, you just said you think he'll play. In my opinion, I think it'll be Brandon Williams just from a, a travel point of view. Yeah, you could be right. But, well, I want to, we'll come back to United. But seriously, how farcical is that there's a pandemic going on and for some reason, some genius has decided, oh, we need international friendlies being played in front of nobody, where it's just a free-for-all in terms of getting COVID. And we've just seen how many cases have come out. Uh, Cavani, there's rumours around whether he'll come back positive or not because there's been a big outbreak in uh, the Uruguay squad. Um, he spent a lot of time with Suarez, who has tested positives. Um, we've, we're talking about Tellez. I think we've seen Mo Salah got COVID last week. What what on earth, like, why is there international football being played in front of nobody in the middle of a pandemic? Please tell me. Oh, I definitely don't have the answer. It is just idiotic. And I don't see any, I don't see the reason for the national teams. I don't see the reason for the confederations. It just makes no sense. And as you say, it was just a rest. No one can be surprised that people are going to get COVID. And I've, I've said in previous podcasts, and I'll continue to do it. You've just seen with Salah, I think I name dropped him earlier saying there's going to be a couple of weeks where Mo Salah might be in fantastic form, not injured at all, and then just one week, bang, he's out for two weeks with COVID. Or Harry Kane might have scored three hat-tricks on the bounce, then one week he's going to have COVID. That'll be a pivotal part, in a pivotal role in this season. Good players are just going to, out of, out of nowhere, test positive, and it will shape the season, I think. You're not wrong, um, and it's already shaping to be a very unique season indeed. Um, something that people can't stop talking about other than COVID seems to be Paul Pogba, because you know, Tom, there are three guarantees in life, death, taxes, and a Pogba comment on international duty. This time, misquote by Fabrizio Romano, who generally is Mr. Reliable. Um, the quotes came out around Pogba suggesting, you know, things are happier at France. Um, it's not like it is at the club. Those were the quotes initially used by Fabrizio Romano. It's since come out with the full context. 
Um, Pogba hoping he's saying it was a frustrating period of his career in the terms of he hasn't played as much football as he would have liked he's obviously been lacking fitness had COVID lack of preseason etc what did you make of the comments Um, did you purely look at it as Pogba trying to maneuver again or was it simply misinterpretation rather by Romano and other journalists and Pogba simply stating you know France is his, his brotherhood yeah, I don't even think it was like a misquote or anything. I think just people just twisted it to suit what they wanted to hear. Because I remember on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, Josh and I sort of played a little bit of Pogba bingo and say, what's going to come out first? Is it going to be Rayola? Is Pogba going to talk about Real Madrid? So we knew this was coming from Paul Pogba. Someone was going to put a microphone in front of him. And this one did happen to be. But if you actually look at the quotes and look at the interview, in terms of that line you said, he said, um, it's different with France. It's not like the club team. You can twist that to say... Okay, he feels far better in France. It's not like he, he hates going to work on a Monday to Friday at Man United. Well, that's not the case. The way I interpret it, which I, I believe I'm right, is him saying, well, it's different for France because you go together and you stay in the hotel, you live together. It feels like a little bit of a holiday with your friends where at Man United you go to work at 9 o'clock in the morning, then you go home. And it, you don't have that sort of training camp feel which an international club, which an international team does bring so I thought all he was saying was I'm happy to come in because it's something different I like it I'm here with my friends it's good and but the way you can definitely twist that into saying well it's not the same as Man United and suddenly that is obviously um, cause for huge um, headlines which it did create but I look at it and really think I can understand from fans frustration but there's nothing in it for me at all. I think if Paul Pogba was putting peanut butter on toast outside the local Greg's in Manchester I'd make the news so no surprise there. I'm with you. I don't read too much into it. And to be honest, I hope Paul Pogba... Actually, while we're on Pogba, um, I want to come to the comments uh, Just Champs makes um, after the most recent game. Um, Pogba, I, I didn't watch the game, but all reports are... The statistics show he made a few ball recoveries um, in terms of pass completion very well. Played in a deep role in a two-man pivot. Um, long passing, short-range passing, albeit not against class opposition. Tom, we've had this debate a thousand times. Where should Solskjaer play Pogba? And when you're looking at Deschamps' comments, is it almost a dig at Solskjaer to say he doesn't have to play in a three-man midfield? You can, in fact, play him in that two-man pivot if you just allow him to play his more natural game, which is maybe at times that is playing that long-range passing. Um, what, what do you make of that? Look, we could dedicate another whole podcast to Paul Pogba and we could discuss his position in the team, what suits him best. I think one of, one of the, I think his biggest downfall, Paul Pogba, and it's definitely not his biggest downfall, but the way sort of you view football, one of the huge problems he does have is weird, he can do everything. So he can play in that 10 role or he can play in that attacking role and he does that so well with him, that's his positioning. However, if you drop him back in front of the back four, no one has a better range of passing than Paul Pogba, so suddenly our mind said, well, he can do that role. So he can do absolutely everything, but he's not that type of player. He, he does obviously perform best when he's got one task, but whereas United fans demand everything from him, and if he doesn't give us everything, he looks a failure. He looks like he's not performing up to his ability. But you say that, where should he play? And look, I've been on here for the last two years on this podcast saying that we should not build the team around him, but he's our best player. We should be playing Paul Pogba because we're a better team when we have our best players playing. But on the evidence this season, where should he play? I think he should be on the bench at the moment. I think it should be Bruno and Van der Beek ahead of him. So, and if I think if Bruno and Van der Beek are ahead of him, I think the role I would play Paul Pogba in is Bruno's. And at the moment, I'm playing Bruno because 
he's delivering. As frustrating as Bruno can be, he delivers, and Paul Pogba at the moment isn't. Well, then I guess when we get to the team selections, it's something that we can debate, but that's to come. Let's talk about a few other players on international duty. Uh, Rashford obviously didn't end up playing any part. Harry Maguire, some promising performances with England, got to captain uh, his country for the first time. And uh, we also had uh, Cavani on the other end getting a red card um, and not having That's a... That's good, a good, good experience by Cavani leadership. He knows he's got a long flight ahead, get an early bath, and he's be ready for oh, seven. Oh, yeah, absolute genius. Um, and we're going to need the, and the strike. I mean, is he going to be able to play for United? Again, that's another thing. We'll wait and see on that front. Well, I think the same thing with Tellers. Like he's got that. Whether we're looking at COVID bubbles and COVID tests, that's another situation. I think just the travel. It's going to be a hard one for to see. Well, even Kashmir and Australia's Ferguson. We had players coming back from South America that very rarely play that first game back. Mm. Have you done the COVID test? You have, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Yeah, nose and throat. Oh, mate, horrible stuff. Horrible stuff. Um. Anyway, Tom, let's move on to. We just touched on Marcus Rashford. A bit of a downer, if you like, but I feel like it's it's an important topic to address. Mason Greenwood, let's start there. Um, obviously, lots of reports coming out in the media this week. People slating him the front and centre, the media's all over again. Now, I'm not going to mention the topic here because it's not right to do so. But there were some serious allegations who've come out where a Premier League player has, you know, obviously done... Uh, has a very severe um, a very severe case put up against them. And the rumour mill that you see has to be Mason. It has to be Mason. And you go on Twitter and you're like, what's going on? I'm certain you message me to say, oh, have you seen what's going on on Twitter? Um, it's then the, the Daily Mail almost had a... Had, they've gotten a whiff of this and then had to put in his 20s on their website to almost take Mason out of that limelight. Where does this stop? And... More importantly, what can players, the media, fans, what can we do to stop this? Because if like this, we just talk about mental health all the time, and particularly through a pandemic where people have been in lockdowns and been, you know, being stuck at home. Imagine being a nineteen-year-old where you're expected to win every single game you play for one of the biggest, if not the biggest, club in the world in Manchester United. Tom, where does this stop? Look, there was two articles. One was about Mason Greenwood, but in the article we're discussing there, you look at it and say, what can we do to stop it in terms of the media putting this stuff out there? I don't think this one is on the media. They've written a story. They've obviously got wind that the the sort of rumours were like on social media that people were directing it at Mason Greenwood. So that is when they've come in with the edit to suggest it wasn't Mason Greenwood by saying someone in their 20s. But that wasn't the media. That was social media who ran with saying it was Mason Greenwood. So the media has obviously put a story out. The information they have, they've put it out. But fans ran with it. I don't, how do we change fans' behaviour? I don't think you can. Well, we can discuss the Ravel Morrison um, into or the Ravel Morrison comparison that the media put out there with Mason Greenwood, and that is a discussion. But this one, in regards to that first situation in the police case, nothing to do with the media. I thought. I thought they put the story out, and the fans just ran with it. And Mason Greenwood was guilty in, in regards to social media. Yes and no, and look, I'm glad you brought up the Ravel Morrison, the Ravel Morrison article, um, and that, I guess that sort of ties into it. Yes, I feel fans and Twitter and social media is a major problem, but and again, I'm not defending that. But what I will say is, do you not think the media has a responsibility? Where we've seen, okay, Phil Foden and Mason Greenwood were both at fault for the exact same thing 
on international duty. Since then, we've seen praise for Phil Foden, his, his return to the England squad, whereas all the reports around Mason Greenwood has been he's got an attitude problem, he's missing training, he seems to be ill. Um, there's concerns whether he'll have a Ravel Morrison case. So, yes, the latest link with Mason Greenwood, yes, was driven by fans, but doesn't the media play a role to say they've put such a negative connotation to say he's got an attitude problem, he's got behavioural problems, that it allows fans to run with these crazy ideas? I guess that's the angle I'm trying to take. Yeah, no, you're spot on there, 100%. And, look, you can say that what can we do, what can be done? People have been having this problem for 50 years in England. This is nothing different. This And this will be a case in another 50 years' time. They will build someone up, and Mason Greenwood is going to be, if he develops the way he should and everyone thinks he will, he will be the pin-up boy of English football. He will be England's best footballer. And who better to shoot down? And I think they've already started because, uh, like I mentioned, they were rightly called out for their treatment of Raheem Sterling. They can't touch Sterling at the moment. We're going to get into Rashford where it looks like they may be starting to try and turn on Rashford, but at the moment he's almost untouchable, Marcus Rashford. So the next one is mate, they're definitely not going to touch Harry Kane. Um, but it, I don't want to get into this debate, but you look at Sterling, um, Marcus Rashford and Mason Greenwood, they have a different pigmentation to Harry Kane. Yeah, they do, and let, let, I think that's a good segue to uh, Marcus Rashford. Obviously, he's made such a positive impact in terms of pressuring and um, manoeuvring and singing the praises um, or singing the praises of volunteer workers to encourage the government to continue to support hungry kids in Manchester and all around England, really. Um, and he's he's been successful. Um, we've seen Boris Johnson now U-turn twice. Um, from a 23-year-old um, Marcus Rashford. And, of course, in typical Daily Mail style, what a bargain. They put, they slapped this massive title um, and they, they, they link Marcus Rashford's excellent campaign work to the fact he's... Hey, Tom, a rich footballer has bought investments to secure the future of himself and his family. What a monster. Well, I think that's the thing. We mentioned it that, okay, he's almost untouchable at the moment, Marcus Rashford, but this is not a shock at all. Everyone could... I remember Stephen Housen was talking on his one of his YouTube videos a couple of weeks ago and saying, this video, this headline was coming. They're going to use this campaign against Marcus Rashford and sort of highlight his lifestyle and how much money he earns and how his sort of attribute to his lifestyle, his sort of rich and famous lifestyle, where almost in a condescending way to the people he's supposed to be helping... And sadly, this isn't a shock. I think it's rightly been called out, and but by by even the media has called it out as a disgusting article, and fans have definitely done so as well. So, I think it comes back to your point earlier and said, what can be done? I think sadly, just call sort of woeful articles like that. All you can do is call them out. So, um, but the bad thing is that this isn't a shock. This article coming out, and it's just pointless. It was just I actually read it and just think there was nothing in the article. It was all about the headline. Like the article just said, okay, he bought some bought some um, houses and he does some charity work. That's all the article was. But it was all about the headline to make him sort of paint him in a bad light. Yeah, and um, the I can't recall who the publisher of the article was, but there has been a bit of a backtrack to say no, there wasn't an attempt at a negative reaction. There definitely was. You know, if you've done any journalism work or you know journalists, they'll always tell you it's about the headline to attract the click. Um, because if you just look at that. Who cares? Why is it news? Why do I have to know Marcus Rashford's bought a house? I, I couldn't care less. But, Unless he wants to buy us one, but, then I'm all for it. 
but, but that, is, that is the reason he can come out and say he backtracks say no there was nothing, nothing negative <laughs> you don't need to write a story about him buying it it's a, it literally a non-news story I'm with you I'm with you but by the way Phil Foden bought his mother a house um, I don't know if you saw that in the news but it had a pretty positive twist to it so maybe no one really cared anyway Tom let's talk about the football because at the end of the day that's why we made this podcast and there's going to be a lot of it um, 12 games in the next 37 days and after the international break you can look at it like damn that's a negative but I'm pretty psyched about it however What's Solskjaer going to do here? So we saw towards the back end of last season this over-reliance on 11, 12, maybe 13 players. He's done a little bit more rotation this season. Do you think he'll do what we've seen in the past and stick to what he knows with those key sort of players? Or do you think he will utilise the squad whether he has to or he needs to? Has to, need to, will do. There's so many different ways you could look at it. And we always go, we go into almost every game and say, this is the biggest game of his Man United career. This has, has to be winning. If he loses this one, it could be the end or it could be the biggest game where if we win, it's got potential to kick us on. But you just mentioned there the 12 games in 37 days. We could almost do the exact same thing now and say we're go, he's going into his most important period at Man United because... We, we're sitting in 14th or 15th for God's sake we can't be talking about a title race but you get through these 12 games you get through there with 8 or 9 wins because I'm sure I've looked at the fixtures and look there are there's Man City in there there's Leeds in there so there's obviously tough games but if you can get in there with 7, 8, 9 wins who knows what the title picture will look like because that team's going to drop points so but then you say that on the other hand say out of 12 games you only win 3 or 4 <laughs> well I think we're looking maybe up at 14th or 15th so in regards to the um, idea of him rotating I think it's hard in the past we've said okay this will be the time to rotate and he doesn't so it's a weird one hopefully he learns, learns from his lessons if he doesn't and we do stay with the same 11 um, I do see I do see a few problems well between now and Christmas we've got some really important games coming up obviously the Champions League we've got a few games to secure um, but there's going to be some tough games in there. Like you said, we've got Man City, we've got Leeds, uh, we've got Everton in the Cup, uh, Leicester, and that's all before the new year's over. And then to finish 2020, we, we versus Wolves, and we all know our record against the Wolves. So it's not going to be easy. And you know, we've seen the links with Pochettino. We're, there's been, um, you know, our good mate Duncan Castles has said Roberto Martinez has had links to United. I think this period is crucial for Solskjaer. I think between now and Christmas... If he doesn't get a good turn of results, it could be his head on the chopping block. Do you still think he is in that very sensitive hypercare period in terms of his job? Well, look, whether rightly so or wrongly so, the fact is he will be. Just have a think. If we lose to West Brom at home at Old Trafford, it's almost, I'm not saying it's a sackable offence, but it'll be treated as such. And God knows where we'll be on the ladder. It'll have to be obviously looked at by the club. So I definitely don't want him sad, which I've sort of reiterated on the podcast before. But sadly, the disposition we're in on the field and off the field, it almost is a game-by-game basis. Um, he is in a precarious position, and I don't like that. I, I do want him to be backed. I do want to see him see out the season, see what he does bring. But there's no doubt he is still... OK, I just think there's no football to be talked about. That's why Solskjaer has sort of gone off a little bit in the international break in terms of the headlines. Mm-hmm. Sort of Paul Pogba, Mason Greenwood have taken the headlines. But one loss, his name comes straight back on the chopping block. It sure does. And 
Speaking of people on the chopping block, West Brom. They're not doing well, so let's go straight into the preview. Tom, West Brom sitting 18th. Um, they're in horrible form. They haven't won a game yet. Um, sorry, they have won a game, but they're not looking good. Um, and to be honest, a sitting in 18th, we're in 14th. It is must win. Tell me, what's your starting 11 for this match? Just when you said must win then, I thought you were going to say it was a six-pointer relegation battle when 18th and 14th. You know what? But, um, the point turnaround, yeah, I totally get United's league position. But can I say, Leicester in first are on 18 points. We have a game in hand. It's really not the end of the world. How many points are we behind Leicester if we win our game in hand? Six points. Five yeah, so points. Look, and look, there are. I think the issue is there are a lot of teams in between us and them, so it's not just a points thing. There's sort of actual teams you do have to physically climb over. But um, yeah, in terms of the ladder, look, I, I hate even saying it. We joke about it a little bit, but I'm a, I'm a football fan. I'm a Man United fan. My target is the title. So when I see a team potentially six points from the top of the table in December, for me that's we're in, in with a chance of the title. Um, but on to West Brom preview. We'll um, quickly come back down to Worth. De Gea. De Gea obviously um, comes in. I think Dean Anderson has done nothing wrong, but I think mainly the talk between De Gea and Henderson has now sort of shifted to a potential loan for Dean Henderson rather than a battle between the two. So I don't think there's any debate in regards to De Gea playing there. I assume he played for Spain um, during the week and Spain did well. So no Spain did well. Right Mate, did you issue. see the result? I don't mean a detour, but Germany, Jesus. Well, that's when I saw I was following the match on Twitter and I saw Spain's 5-0 Spain 6-0 and I thought okay the, all right, Spain winning 6-0 that's good two hours later I realised they were playing Germany and then I was like oh okay that's why it was trending I didn't know they were playing Germany outrageous so um, yeah, you don't often see that but um, centre backs I th- look let's hope Tuan Zavi's had a couple of weeks of training so let's assume he's fit and hopefully he is I would assume maybe Tuan Zavi's more likely for the Champions League match but centre backs would you assume Maguire Lindelof I would think so, yeah. Um, I'd love to see Axel with Maguire. Um, I know Axel didn't have the greatest outing against Istanbul. However, he just needs games. Like In that match, he just looked like someone who hasn't had a lot of minutes. But we saw against PSG when he, he's definitely got the ability. But I'm with you. I think Solskjaer, when your job's on the line, you need results, you'll go with what you know. So it has to be Maguire Lindelof. Yeah, no, I think you're pretty much right there. As I said at the start of the point, I think it might be Brandon Williams at left back. Maybe we'll hear more from Solskjaer in his press conference. But forget the COVID situation surrounding Tellez. I just think it'll be a travel thing. And maybe he'll be better suited to come into the Champions League game midweek. Because while we do look at the Istanbul as maybe an easier game, you look at the result against them in the last game. So that is a very important game in the Champions League. That's not a, a midweek game where you can rest a few people. That is must-win uh, midweek. So... Mm. I think Tellers might be rested for this and it'll be Brandon Williams at left back. Yeah, well, we're, we're pretty skin thin at left back. I think that's the only choice. Um, midfield, that's where the interesting debate, if you like, happens. We touched on Paul Pogba earlier. <coughs> Excuse me. Do you think he goes with what he knows in terms of four two three one? Do you think there will be a bit of variety there, maybe go into a three-man midfield? Um, what 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 midfield is Tom Simpson picking today? If, if you're Ali Gunnar Solskjaer, who's playing in this match? Well, if I'm only going to social, I don't know how he is sort of prioritising these games. Is the West Brom game bigger than the Champions League game or the next weekend game? Is that who he's looking to more so? I don't know how he weighs up these games because they're all so important. But 
we've discussed in terms of the rotation. There has to be a plan ahead over the, over the next month or two. You can't just go, okay, we'll play this 11 this game and then we'll, we'll assess the situation for the next game. You do have to put a plan in place and there will be games where you have to rest players. We'll have to rest Marshall. We'll have to rest Harry Maguire, even though Maguire is one who sadly sort of never gets a rest. But we're going to have to rest all these players. So, look, if I'm looking at it, I think a big thing here will be players who have trained sort of at Carrington and have, while they may be, maybe haven't kept match sharp, have kept a bit of fitness and sort of fluidity. So I think it'll be players like Matic and then, I don't know, if, well, Fred obviously didn't travel, so maybe it might be sort of a case of sort of Matic, Fred, and then I think Bruno sort of picks himself. So I think Van der Beek probably deserves a start, but again, it's, it's hard just when we've got so many options in there, it's hard to fit three in. So And I think Bruno will definitely play, so... Does midfield three of Matic, Fred and Bruno work in terms of a maybe two sitting and Bruno as the advanced number 10? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with, I think he'll go Bruno. Um, I'd love to see Van der Beek get an opportunity, but I just don't see it. And I think he sticks with the 4-2-3-1. I'd really like to see us go back to a 4-3-3. I just, if you talk about United fitting in their best players, I think I just... I don't know if it's because I look at Manchester City and I see what Silva and De Bruyne do and I just wonder if you gave Pogba and Bruno that opportunity or if you gave Van der Beek and Bruno or Van der Beek and Pogba the opportunity to be like advanced states, you just wonder what could we really do in that final third because I think you get the best of both worlds with Pogba, we will discussing it earlier. If he plays in that three-man midfield, he can come deep and pass the ball along but then he can also push forward into the final third and create and shoot and... but yeah I think he goes 4 2 3 ideally if it was me I've just mentioned Fred there because I think he didn't travel he would have been in around the training with Solskjaer but if I was Solskjaer and I was looking at the game for me it would probably be Matic Van der Beek and Bruno I would like to see Van der Beek come in and as I said I think Bruno plays over Paul Pogba so that would be the mid- if we're to adopt that you don't worry you don't worry there's a lack of pace in that midfield I mean I'd imagine West Brom are going to try and get us on the counter Oh, yeah, but I think every team, we've won games with Matic in there before. Um, I think it is something maybe you do look at and you do, oh, jeez, yeah, maybe he's a little bit sort of less mobile than others. But hopefully it is a game where we're going to be dominating and um, hopefully we've got a foothold in the game and it really shouldn't be a problem. Touche, and we go to the front three. Um, Rashford, Martial. The final position's interesting. You could say Greenwood comes in and gets a goal and shuts the media up. That's what I want to see. Um, but it could be an opportunity for Dan James. Did you see his goal this morning? Absolutely yeah, fantastic. That is, that is the last thing you're expecting from Dan James. That was that was a rocket. It was, you just don't... don't and I'm not taking anything away from him, but just the type of play you don't expect that in his locker. No, you really don't. Um, in terms of West Brom, they, they've been lining up in almost like a 5-3-2 to start the season. Uh, Robinson and Ahern. So Ahern, obviously, you're more nippy type of striker, Robinson a bit more of a, you know, back to goal, bigger body. Um, do United really need to be looking at West Brom and thinking about the threats that they pose or is it all about United in this game and just a case of get the result and on to the next one? Yeah, I think just what you said there, and it's not an arrogance thing or a cockiness thing, like who are we to be cocky in our situation? Um, West Brom is sort of the team we always seem to have problems with. You just look at a couple of years ago when we beat Manchester City away, away at the Etihad then we come home to Old Trafford against West Brom and Handman City the title so 
Look, West Brom won't be any pushovers, but I think Man United go into this game and play well. It doesn't matter what West Brom pose, um, we'll beat them. But you just mentioned that in regards to a flip of a coin between Mason Greenwood or Dan James. Call me bias. I think one matter plays and should play. Well, I'm I'm not. I agree with you in a sense because it's going to be those teams where we are obviously going to have a lot of ball and press forward, but. I just worry about United in that sense where when you play one Mata, then you've got Maguire, Lindelof and Matic. I just feel like you're really, you leave the team short of pace. If you're playing all those players at one time, I feel like it just the balance of the squad tends to go. That's my only issue. And obviously, look, I'm a big one Mata fan. I know you're a one Mata fan. But if you're going to play him, and we've probably had this debate since 2013 since he signed for United... Should he not just be utilised as a number 10, Tom? When he plays with Bruno and van der Beek, though, on paper he lines up on the right. He doesn't play on the right, though. He comes inside, he plays in the middle. So he leaves one bissaka and we can maybe ask for more for one bissaka to get forward on the right-hand side with a bit more quality, but something he's starting to look like he's improving at. But you actually watch one matter this season. And I was looking at our, our pubcast Player of the Year ratings, and one matter's still at the top because his performance is in the League Cup so far. If you look at those, and his performance against Newcastle as well, he's not a right, right-hand side player. He maybe comes out there in terms of the defensive side of things when we get them back into our shape. But when we have the ball, he's not on the right. He comes right inside in behind the striker. No, you're right. Um, look, I, I'm, like I said, I am a one Mata fan. I just feel like it, in terms of the balance of the squad, I don't like him on the right. I just think, he, like you said, he drifts centrally. Wonderful footballer, but I think... Because of that, you're asking Wambasaka to offer an attacking outlet on the right-hand side, which obviously is just not the most natural at doing. But nonetheless, Tom, I've just criticised Juan Mata and your selection. How many assists and goals is he going to get this week in the win against West Brom? Well, he's always, well Juan Mata, he, I think that's, the numbers always don't tell the full story. I think he's always the pass before the pass. So he's always involved in the goals, but it's always someone else who gets the assist. But um, he's obviously not on penalties. Bruno will score the first penalty in the seventh minute. I back matter maybe two or three nil to United, and I back him to get on the score sheet against a team like West Brom. Just to throw a little bit of interest out there, might be a new thing that we look at doing. Who who do you think needs to be the key player for United this game? If you're looking at for one player to really have a key role in this game, who's that man to stand up? Maybe this is just fresh in my mind, but obviously there was no football. Um, during the weekend, obviously, there was no pubcast last week or at the start of this week, so I listened to the Man United podcast and they had Bruno on as their latest guest. And just listening to him and listening to the way he talks and you look back at what he's done in the United shirt so far and whether we're coming into this game at home to West Brom or away at Anfield, I think it's Bruno, regardless of how he plays. I just think what he brings on the ball, off the ball, and especially in a game like this where we're going to have to sort of don't have to show our sort of mentality show our sort of size of the club over and size of the team over a team like West Brom then Bruno he could almost make the case for him being the key man every single time and this time I think the same he's got the quality to hurt West Brom but also if it becomes a tight game and it's not quite working we're going to need his sort of so-called leadership to sort of drive United forward so off the top of my head probably Bruno a man who's willing to beat his three-year-old daughter in a game of Uno that's that's my kind of that's my kind of leader. Not 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 only beat not only beat her but cheat to win. I like yeah, that. Yeah, that, that's that's excellent. Hopefully, some plus four cards in terms of the score against West Brom. 
Tom, pleasure as always, mate. I think we'll leave it there. Anything to add before we wrap up? Yeah, good to chat to you. It was, um, we obviously met at the pub last week. We got a little bit distracted, so we didn't record, but um, it's good to get back in the little podcast groove. Absolutely, and we'll leave it there. Um, next week, we do have the charity match against Manchester City, um, the Manchester United supporters gr- uh, group of New South Wales against Manchester City supporters in New South Wales, raising money for the food banks of Manchester, supporting all the good work that Marcus Rashford and co are doing over there but stay tuned next week we'll probably give you some more information on that and also maybe a link if you want to donate to that cause as always if you are holding your phone do give us a five-star review particularly on itunes look it means more people get to come into the pub and i know the uk is doing a little bit tough in terms of lockdown but you're always welcome in our pubs ladies and gents i think we'll leave it there tom thank you as always mate and hopefully we're discussing a win on sunday fingers crossed cheers